When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. How's it going and welcome to episode 110 of On The Wire, proud member of the Pitcherlist Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. You can follow me at 80 Grade. That's all spelled out. And you can follow Kevin Hastings at Hastings Kevin. Unfortunately, Kevin is off again this week. Instead, I brought in a tag team powerhouse of Chris Torres and Michael Carter. They're two-thirds of the Fantasy Baseball Beat podcast put forth by Triple Play Fantasy. Of course, splitting time alongside Carlos Marcano, friend of the show, as they navigate the ins and outs of each Major League Baseball team by way of the beat writers that know them best, pulling in a fantasy spin of their own findings along the way. Michael can also be found writing regularly over at Fantrax and Nine Inning Know-It-All and should be followed on the Twitter at MDRC. 0508 and Chris along with the videos and discussion should be followed at Torres takes links everything that I just said and everything else can be found on the show description so just make sure you check that out instead of going back and listening to me say that 500 times in order to get that Chris Mike thanks for coming back on the show guys how's the season treating you early on Adam thank you so much for having me on again I'm doing well a little upset I started Noah Syndergaard tonight and things are not looking good but we know that's just how it goes sometimes That won't be the last time you say that. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a crazy start, a lot going on. It's a little overwhelming, honestly, this first week, just trying to digest everything that's going on, figure out what's actionable, what's not. Yeah, but I'm just so happy baseball is back. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. I'm always conflicted when you ask me to come on because listening to your show is part of my Sunday morning routine. I wake up, I put on the wire, (laughs) say a few Hail Marys, and then I'm ready to start my day. Tomorrow, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're going to make me go to church or something. God knows (laughs) I need it. But (laughs) anyway, thanks again for having me. Let's talk some baseball, and hopefully I don't got to repent for any of these suggestions I make today. It is Easter. If that's your thing out there listening, now you got an excuse. I wasn't trying to give you that excuse, but there it is. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm good. I don't really know how to follow up what Chris just said. I had had so many thoughts as he was saying those things. Torres does need church in, and there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. <laughs> and I'm repenting, I, the next time you repent, pal, will be the first time that I've heard you repent and say sorry. Right. So I don't <laughs> I'm know. I'm too good at that. No, at baseball takes no, but in real life, you are a gentleman and a scholar. But in fantasy baseball, I've never once heard you apologize. I don't expect to ever hear you apologize. <laughs> We don't need to start that now. We don't need to start any new traditions along those lines. What we do need to do is get into the news and notes from the past week so that we can make informed decisions on what we're doing in FAB for the third go around this year. So let's get into it, guys. Mike, I'm going to start here with you in in Baltimore. Kyle Bradish, he hit the IL. Grayson Rodriguez was finally recalled and started on Wednesday. British is one of the offseason draft darlings for what seemed like 
pretty much everybody except for Nick Pollock, who seemed like <laughs> the only one that was out on him completely and obviously still is. He's going to miss at least the next 10 days or so from our recording. He was placed on the 15-day IL on Wednesday. Are you holding British, British at this point if you drafted him anywhere? Yes, I am holding on to him for sure at this point. He's already running and the foot appears to be in better shape. As I read last night before going to bed that he was running and looks to be, it looked to be pretty close to a minimum stay. So that's a good thing, I think. I don't ever give up on a guy after one start, really, unless it's Noah Syndergaard, like Chris was saying. (laughs) But even if Grayson's the shiny new toy, I think I think Bradish has got an opportunity here in front of him. He had a really good second half last year, which I know a lot of people have talked about already. 13 starts, 71 innings, 3.28 ERA, 1.16 whip, 65 strikeouts. I always am interested in guys, young guys, that have some experience on up-and-coming teams, of which I think Baltimore is one. If he's dropped in leagues, I'll bid fit, I will bid fab on him this weekend for sure. I'm under the assumption that Grayson is going, well, is probably going to be sent back down. Maybe not right when Bridge comes back up, but at some point, just to get that extra year of control, they only need to send them, keep them down for another week or two or a week and a half even. Are you under the same impression in that realm or do you think Grayson's up for good? No, I don't think he's up for good. I think that they're going to manipulate that as well. I totally agree with you. All right. All right. Let's look. Elsewhere, Chris, for some good news from a pitcher that is coming back from injury, Kenta Maeda. He pitched really well in his first go around this past Tuesday. He did leave the game early, or at least probably he says it was on time. He was going to leave any t- anyway. After the fifth inning, he did leave alongside the team trainer. He reported he was fatigued toward the end. His velocity was down a little bit in that last that last go around, the last inning. He does expect to make his next start slated for this coming Monday, but how aggressive should we be in picking up, say, Bailey Ober this weekend in anticipation of Maeda or honestly, any Minnesota Twins pitcher missing time early on in the season? Okay, first with Maeda, yeah, like you said, he looked really good in his first start, five innings, nine strikeouts, everything, every report that I've seen says that he is fine to make his next start. Listen, we got to consider the fact this was his first start since 2021. This is a 34-year-old coming off of Tommy John surgery who also has to adjust to the new pitch clock. Another thing to consider from that game is that Maeda really didn't have much time in between innings to rest because Sandy Alcantara was absolutely cruising on the other Mm -hmm. side of that game. So I'm not surprised that he got fatigued. When I saw that he got pulled, I thought the worst, but I'm giving him a pass on that. I'm not treating him any differently. I trust the reports that he's going to be Okay. Listen, the Marlins offense we know is more flaccid than me after seeing a picture of Mike Carter with his shirt off. All right. Bottom line is that was still a really good performance. When I say flaccid on here, I don't know. Just for a peek behind the curtain for everybody, this is a very family-friendly show. And Adam asked us not to use any potty language, but I'm pretty sure I can make that joke. Is that true? That's a word that will not get the little the little bleep. I don't even have a bleep uh-huh. sound. I just end up taking it out. I'll leave it. Okay, in. thank you. I've actually heard now that this is a rumor that the punishment, if you do use a profanity on this podcast, is that Nick Pollock will personally pay for you to fly out to Oakland and sit front row at an A's game at the Coliseum. Is that rumor correct? Hey, I've done that. I have done that on my own accord. I lived in Oakland for a long time. It was what you did. It was cheap. It was easy. It was my, it's my daughter's first major league baseball experience was at the Coliseum. I think 
At the time, it was O.co. It might have just been called Ricky Henderson Field at that time. It's gone through so many name changes in the last 10 years that I have no idea what it actually is. They just got to demolish it at this point. Building the franchise is an embarrassment. But anyway, moving on. You asked me about Bailey Ober. And yes, I do like him as a stash in 15 teamers. In many of those formats, he's already gone. He's rostered in nearly 75% of main events. Uh, honestly, I don't think he's worth using a bench spot in anything shallower than that. He's a fly ball pitcher. We're seeing the ball is flying all over the yard so far this season. His stuff is never graded out as being above average. I don't think Ober is someone that I'm going to be super upset if I miss out on him in, say, a 12-team league. But in a 15-teamer, I think he's a solid kind of middle of rotation guy. We can count on a pretty good whip. And I think he is going to get innings at some point this season, whether it's for Maeda or another Twins pitcher. There's a fair amount of injury risk in that rotation. I like him, but I don't love him. Yeah, it's fair. I think just the fact that that injury risk across the board with the, all the other five starters is definitely worth at least keeping him on your watch list, regardless of roster of format. He should at least be on your watch list. Mike, stop me if you've heard this one before. E- Eloy. Jimenez, you know, oh, that, that oh Eloy, he's hurt. He's hurt again. He entered the IL realm once more. The white, Your White Sox, they called up Jake Berger. A lot of excitement, a lot of talk about Jake Berger and how they liked it, like him cooked this week. But should we be, should we be ordering the burger off the menu this fab period? And feel free to rant about Eloy as much or as little as you want on top of that. First off, I'm on the IL too because as Torres said, I had my shirt off in Florida last week and I got harpooned, mistaken for a, whale, a beached whale. <laughs> Eloy is, it, it's fair to call him injury prone now, I think. It's a guy that's never been healthy. He can hit a ton when he is healthy. The problem is he's never available. And at some point, being available becomes a talent. So we know this guy's got light tower power when he's able to play. He lost 30 pounds this offseason in an attempt to make him more flexible, more adaptable. It doesn't appear that it's worked. He wanted to play right field more often, and he did that once or twice, and that's a disaster. There's no way that he should be in the outfield ever. He looks like he's on roller skates every time he's out there. It's a baby giraffe that can't get his legs under him, but he cannot stay healthy. Long story short, Jake Berger did get called up. Jake Berger is a third baseman by trade. Yohan Makata's gotten off to a good start there, so I'm not anticipating that Berger's going to get a lot of time at third base. But where he could get some time is at DH. So they had sent him down, and then they brought him back up as soon as Jimenez went on to the IL, and he was batting cleanup that day. And the White Sox lineup is pretty good, but Pedro Grafal doesn't seem to really know yet exactly how he wants to work that lineup. So I'm not 100% sure how much playing time Berger's going to get. Although, I would think that he's the best option of the bunch. They have Romy Gonzalez, who's also capable, apparently, of playing outfield. Berger is there. Obviously, Oscar Colas has gotten off to a pretty good start so far in right field. They don't have a lot of depth, and that's one of the White Sox issues always, is that they're always relying on these really talented guys to produce, but they don't really have a lot of depth options. And so I think Berger's going to get probably 75% of the at-bats while Eloy is out. And who knows how long that could be. But Eloy wants to play. They said he wanted to play. 
I don't really buy it. I think he's emotionally fragile as well as physically fragile. I don't think he'll play unless he's 100%. And I, I don't disguise very often, but I feel like this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, if he feels this bad at 26, I hate to see what he's going to feel like when he's my age. Yeah, at least this time, because it, it was worried about this time last year when he was hurt and he was going to, he was missed like, he was supposed to miss like the entire season, obviously just to miss a big chunk of it. And so I was happy to see that there wasn't any nuances or, or memorabilia <laughs> hung up. It was just, all right, he hit the IL. Nobody's surprised. Let's move on with our lives. But let's go on, Chris, to another injury. Some would say injury prone, injury, somebody who gets a lot of injuries. Getting hurt again, Jazz Chisholm got hurt his shoulders, like a little stinger. It looked like he either hurt his hand. It was said to be his shoulder sliding into second base uh, earlier in the week. He didn't miss any time. So my question doesn't really revolve around who's going to be picking up his at-bats in the center field. But I noted on Twitter that this was only Miami's second stolen base attempt all season at the time. Gene Segura had just gotten their first stolen base the day before. And this is the team that led all of ba- or second. They were second in all of baseball last year in, in successful stolen bases, mm-hmm. second only behind the Texas Rangers. And yeah, they got a new they got a new manager with Skip Schumacher. Mattingly is out, and so obviously his tendencies are going to play a little bit of a role here. But he stated that prior to that, the lack of running was due to quote like the wrong players being on base. So obviously Schumacher doesn't really necessarily know what he's doing as far as the running game goes. He's still feeling that out. But if you drafted Marlins or if you targeted Marlins players in your drafts for the stolen bases based on past history, regardless of who the manager is, a lot of times you'll say, hey, you know what? The players are going to run if they're talented enough to run. Mm -hmm. That's not the case right now with the Marlins. Are you worried at all that this is going to be a tendency throughout the course of the season? Are you making adjustments or are we talking about the 10th day of the season and it's not something that you're worried about yet? Yeah, not something I'm really worried about yet. I think it's still early. And just looking at the way this team was constructed, even though they're right now striking out at a 30% clip as a team, this team was built with the intention of being high contact and one that is is able to uh, to manufacture runs, right? Aside from Solaire and Jazz Chisholm, there's no real big mashers there. Someone like John Birdie, he's not in the major leagues if he's not using his legs to his advantage. So I really think this is just small sample variance. I think this will be a non-issue as we get into the season. They've got some burners there, and I think they're going to take advantage of that. As far as Jazz, I just want to point out he did hit a home run today. He seems to be fine. Made a couple nice catches in center field over the past few days. But he did mention that he does tend to have multiple. He got injured last year with the with the back and now the shoulder thing. So just something to keep an eye on. I think Brian De La Cruz is a player that should be on your watch list. And remember, that he was crushing in the second half of last year. One of the best hitters in baseball. Right now, he's in a timeshare with Jesus Sanchez. Hasn't gotten off to a great start. But it's hard to get into a rhythm when you're playing every other day. So I think there's a legitimate 30 home run bat in there if he does get every day playing time. So, again, I think he's just someone to keep an eye on if Jazz or anybody else in the Miami outfield goes down to injury. Yeah, I'll echo your point that this is a team that built itself up around contact and manufacturing runs look they literally roster 15 second basemen that are playing all over the outfield and infield now and they just called up garrett hampson get excited get excited marlins fans 
All right, let's go over to the Mets here, Mike. Their catching situation has taken a little bit of a turn with Omar Narvaez. He tweaked his calf on Wednesday. He ends up on the IL. He's going to be out for a little bit. This did provide the Mets an opportunity to add Francisco Alvarez back to the roster, made his MLB debut at the very end of last year. He joins the team on Friday. Are you going after him where available in those two catcher leagues? Again, if he wasn't drafted already because he was drafted in a whole bunch of places. Yeah, they're not bringing him up to sit, right? So Nitto is the better defensive catcher for sure. But Buck Walter did say in his comments this past week that they were going to use Alvarez at the DH spot quite a bit and that they were going to use him especially against lefties. Now, that doesn't really thrill you in some ways because there's not as many lefties as there are righties, as we all know. But I think the power is legitimate, and I think he's going to play. I don't think that they're bringing him up to let him sit on the bench. I think he can really help you in a two-catcher league, especially if, like many players in fantasy, you find yourself with one pretty good catcher and one really weak catcher. It seems like that happens to a lot of players in fantasy baseball. So I'm guessing that he will be a pretty popular target in leagues where he's available tomorrow during the fab bidding. I think he's going to get a real opportunity because it really looks like Narvaez is going to be out maybe eight to 10 weeks, they're saying. So um, he's going to get an opportunity to play. Yeah, I don't think there's too much of a fear of this, but anybody who might have had a fear that Alvarez was going to come up and just force his way up and not catch and just fill that DH spot and maybe possibly lose catcher eligibility for next year, they can not be worried about that so much with the reason of him being coming up is the Narvaez injury. So that's nice to know whatever concern there might have been there. All right, Chris, let's go to New to, I gave a White Sox question to Mike. I had to make sure I give a Yankees question to you because I know how much you love Josh Donaldson. <laughs> I want to make sure I ask you about this. He has the IL, finally. He was hurt on Wednesday. He left the game with a hamstring tightness. Finally, they placed him on the IL retroactive to April 6th so they can get him back as soon as possible. How are the Yankees filling in third base? They got a lot of options, a lot of players that can play all over the place. Are they filling in with just one dude, or are we should we be expecting more of a carousel? You had to do this to me. I don't know if you listened to our last episode, but I almost had a meltdown just talking about the Yankees. This team just drives me nuts, and one of those guys is Josh Donaldson. Not wishing anything bad on the guy, but he can. I think he needs to take his sweet time to rehab that hamstring. Let's maybe take like a couple years, really get that hamstring right. All right, because I have had never be too safe of him, and they'll probably so DJ LeMayhew as far as his repl- as far as Donaldson's replacement. I think DJ LeMayhew gets the bulk of that playing time, so you could count on him pretty much being in the lineup every day until Donaldson returns. They're saying that Donaldson is going to probably be back in 10 days, unfortunately. That's what Aaron Boone said today. We'll see a little bit of another guy I love, Isaiah Kainafalefa, as well as maybe a little bit, but I think I was going to say Oswaldo Cabrera, but I think he left today with some, he's dealing with an injury of his own right now. So it's probably going to be mostly LeMayhew, I wonder, are the Yankees being infiltrated, Mike, by the White Sox training staff? Because, man, the way these teams handle injuries is just really pathetic. So don't even get me started on this team. I'm, I just let's move on to the next question. Cause it is, it is interesting to see how different teams handle injuries this at this time of year in comparison to what we see in August or September. Mm-hmm. We saw Justin Verlander say that if he had gotten his injury in August or September or even October, 
he'd be playing right through it. Carlos Rodon said the same thing during spring training. Mm-hmm. And so it is interesting to see that spread out. And like you said, I can't imagine why you wouldn't allow a guy to take a couple extra days even mm-hmm. in, in Donaldson. I know you're being facetious and saying a couple of years, but, but in all honesty, let the guy have a couple extra days, especially at his age where he, where he's playing every day, make sure he's right before he comes back. So especially at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, the other thing is that if all else fails, Brett Gardner is available. He is still out there. That's my dude, man. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 too. <laughs> He'll be a fantasy pickup of mine if the Yankees get him. But uh, yeah, this team, I don't know, man. They're just, I don't know. They need a restart, a refresh, basically from the top down because just the way they set this team up and the way they handle injuries, it's not indicative of a team that has the resources that the Yankees have. Not too happy with the direction of where they're going. All right, we'll move away from New York. We'll stay in like the greater Northeast area. For you, Michael, this last one in Philadelphia, Derek Hall was removed from Wednesday's game with the right thumb sprain. He's now scheduled to have a surgery next week to report to repair a torn UCL in his thumb. I want to make sure I clarify that not in his elbow <laughs> or anywhere else. A UCL in his thumb. How are the Phillies dealing with the second time this season already they've had to fill in their starting first baseman? Boy, that's brutal for them, isn't it? They already have had also all kinds of problems with Harper and Reese Hoskins. I would say that Jack Carter's available. I'm not sure how good of a first baseman he is. He's a pretty good pitcher, pretty good shortstop. Yeah, I've seen him pitch. I've seen him pitch. I'm not so sure about first base because he's about four foot eight. I'm not sure that's going to work out. No, in all seriousness, Cody Clemens got the start on Friday night. They sounded like they were going to move in that direction and that he was going to get some starts there in the short term. But it sounded more like when Rob Thompson was speaking about it this morning that they could shift Alec Bohm to first base and use as Mundo Sosa at third base. Sosa's more known for his glove than he is for his bat, although in the minor leagues he was a pretty good hitter and he did have a pretty good spring. And that's probably the best that they can do at this point in terms of putting out a consistent lineup at this point just because they don't have a lot of depth. They've really had the injury bug has really hit them hard. So between Clemens, Bohm playing first base, that's probably going to get by for now. Local pundits in Philadelphia this weekend were already talking about the trade market, suggesting that the Phillies should look at C.J. Crone, suggesting that they might look at a guy like Bobby Dahlbeck, which would make sense in some ways. Darren Ruff was available this morning, but he signed with the Giants this afternoon. So in the short term, it looks like it's Clemens and Bohm with Sosa at third base. Gotta love that Ruff ended up going back to San Francisco after that trade with the Mets last year. So good on the Giants for fleecing that, all of that, just for Darren Ruff. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for our news and notes section of the pod. As always, I'm sure we missed a whole bunch of stuff worth noting. And to keep up with all the news of the day, make sure you're listening to Nick Pollock's Plus Pitch Podcast, which they, where he highlights every starting pitching performance from the day prior. And also the First Pitch Podcast with Casey, Bubba, and Jake Crumpler on the weekends. They break down the news, highlights, and observations from every day's worth of games, as well as looking ahead at each slate to keep you up to date with everything you need to know to win your fantasy league. Just a moment, we're going to talk to Mike and Chris about their their pod, their FSWA finalist-nominated podcast, The Fantasy Baseball Beat. But before, we do have to take a quick break. 
Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but the problem is managing your weight needs a long-term solution, and that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So, stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, guys, we are back. Of course, you are listening to On The Wire. I am Adam Howe, this week joined by Chris Torres and Mike Carter, two-thirds of the Fantasy Baseball Beat, and that's exactly what I want to talk to you guys about. You guys had a... Very talk to you each individually in the off season where you guys have been on the show when you guys pretty much just had started the podcast. Um, so I kind of want to know, I want to give our listeners kind of a recap of where you guys are at now that we're in the in, in season, how you're taking the podcast, what you guys are doing with it, and what you're hoping to accomplish with it throughout the regular season as you're getting updates from beat writers and as you're looking, not looking at how the teams are building themselves into the season, but how they're reacting to injuries, how they're doing lots of other things. Chris, give me a, a recap of where you guys are at and what you guys are up to right now. First, Adam, thank you so much. You've been a huge supporter of ours, so we uh, we just really appreciate that. But yeah, the Fantasy Baseball Beat is a podcast that is part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. And the premise is that we interview MLB beat writers or analysts who cover a particular team and try to get unique information that's going to help our listeners be successful in their fantasy leagues. We've had great writers on, Brian Hoke of MLB.com, Jeff Fletcher for the Angels, Scott Merkin for the White Sox. Levi Weaver of The Athletic, John Denton for the Cardinals, and among many others. And they've given us some great information regarding the teams that they cover. Our plan for the season is to continue basically what we've been doing, though I think our episodes are going to be a little bit more concise now that the season has started. 
And frankly, beat writers are just not as available in season. We'd ask somebody for half an hour of their time, and that's probably not realistic once we're in the day-to-day grind of the season. In addition to that, we're going to be bringing our own unique elements to the show. Mike is our bullpen expert, so we'll be getting his analysis on bullpens around the league. Carlos is doing fantastic work at Baseball Prospectus, particularly as it relates to pitching analysis with his specs model. So we'll also be leaning on his expertise in that area. Uh, We also incorporate some non-baseball topics into the podcast, which makes us, I think, a little bit unique. And it's specifically related to mental health and wellness. Mental health is a subject that all three of us are passionate about. Two of us work directly in the field. So we want to use this small platform of ours to provide people with something actionable, not only in fantasy baseball, but also in their personal lives. Yeah, I mean, it, we are starting to see a lot of talks about mental health and sports being more of at the forefront of the conversation as of late, especially with Daniel Barr going in the IL with anxiety at the start of the season. We didn't talk about it in our news section, but Austin Meadows was just put on the IL due to anxiety as well. And for them to list that as the reason and not just hide it behind something else, I think it's great to, again, bring that to the forefront of course we have like shows like ted lasso that's like the main focus of the entire show it's very popular so that platform is being used in that way as well so it is especially since two-thirds of you guys are in the field on a regular basis it is nice to know that not you're not talking about it just for the sake of talking about it you're bringing it to the forefront because Mm -hmm. it's what you do (laughs) it's what Mm -hmm. you focus your life on as well so i can appreciate that much more you guys talk to a lot of beat rights, and I think that's what's really interesting about the show is that we have a guest on every week. You guys are our guests right now, and we have, but everybody on the show either plays or is an analyst of fantasy baseball specifically. And you're bringing in a completely different look at the game where, yeah, there's a couple of guys I've, or a couple of people that have been on your show that I've heard that they play fantasy as well, but most of them either don't or don't really care about it. They're just doing it because of the love of the game itself the players the atmosphere all the other aspects except for fantasy they understand that it exists i get but it's not their focus so you know they give you different types of advice or different types of insight my question that kind of revolves around that is like how do you guys translate how have you been able to translate that into fantasy relevant advice and what has been like especially throughout the off season What do you think was like the one piece of advice or one piece of insight that you've gotten from a beat writer that has been the most actionable fantasy wise? That's a good question. I, for me, it's been a really interesting journey through it. I had never really thought about being on a podcast before as somebody that was on a weekly basis and Chris and Carlos make it really easy. Obviously I just pretty much have to show up and I don't really do much other than try to provide some comic relief and talk about the mental health stuff. Like, Chris was talking about, but every beat writer has been a little bit different in terms of what they'd like to talk about and how far they're they're willing to go and have that conversation. I thought for me, the most actionable piece of work that I got was with Levi when we were talking about the Rangers. He gave us a lot of time and we really talked a lot about, went in depth with different roster places and what they were thinking about doing and gives you that perspective that you might not be getting otherwise because they're living it every day. Like you said, Adam, they're there, they're in the clubhouse. They have access to the manager. 
they have access to the players. Sometimes they will tell you something a little bit off the record that you'll be like, I hadn't thought about it that way. It's just really refreshing to talk to people that are that close to it. And they really do provide a unique perspective. One thing that is interesting is that many of them have shared with us that they do, in fact, play fantasy baseball. And I found that to be interesting because I didn't really think about that much before we started doing it. But several of them have mentioned either in the context of the podcast or in just riffing before and after the program that they play too, which I think is really interesting. So it's been really it's been really a fun time thinking about that. I would say the other big thing that really happened for me was talking to John Denton about the Cardinals and how in he was on Jordan Walker, which caused me to really reconsider where I was kind of valuing him and what I was thinking about with him. Yeah, I remember he said at the time there was still a question whether Jordan Walker was going to break camp with the team. And he said it's 85% that he's going to break camps. That gave me, actually, I didn't end up getting him anywhere because others were so aggressive on him, but it gave me a little extra push. Whereas before that, I was like, meh, not wasn't really too interested but uh, yeah do part of the reason we wanted to go with this idea to have these beat writers on because I think we do get in a little bit of a bubble especially those of us who are very involved in fantasy baseball twitter like all of it all of us in this space we tend to gravitate towards certain guys and away from others so it, it is nice to get that other perspective from people who aren't involved in fantasy a few pieces of actionable information that I've gotten along the way. One of the first interviews we did was with Nick Bacoro about the Diamondbacks. And he was really complimentary of Brandon Fott. And I'm not a, I don't play Dynasty. I'm not big on, I don't have a lot of knowledge about minor league players. Never heard of the guy before. And that really stuck with me how high he was on him. And then of course, come spring training, he was one of those fuzzy players that everybody was talking about. So just having that knowledge, that was back in like November, we spoke with him. It definitely gave me more insight. Another guy we were talking with, the name is escaping me now, but the Braves beat writer, he was, I was in the middle of a DC. I was in the 50th round and this guy hasn't really worked out so far, but I remember I was on the clock and I'm like, should I take Garrett Schuster? Because I had Kyle Wright and I'm like, I was a little concerned because he had just go, gone down with the injury. And he's, yeah, take him, you know, and that ended up being, you know, I got him in the 50th round and by main event season, he was going like around pick 300. So I think that was pretty cool. And the last one I had was a Kurt Hogg. He was very high on Joey Weimer and another guy like I didn't know much about. I felt like he was pretty buried there and like he wasn't going to see much playing time in Milwaukee and he was very high on him. I think Kurt actually was someone who played fantasy, he said. And oh, look, he's playing every day now for the Brewers. So definitely, I think they're, you're getting some good information from these beat writers. Are they perfect? Do they know everything? Absolutely not. And that's why we like to have that segment afterward where myself, Mike, and Carlos talk about it and give our own spin on it. And especially from a fantasy angle, because we know like they don't have all the answers either. So we're all just guessing. We're all doing the best we can. But so far, it's it's been a great ride. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to listen to. And as far as Jordan Walker goes, Mike, I have a very vivid memory of when he hit two bombs the day of our Glarf draft. Yes, he did. <laughs> I, I had drafted him in, I don't know, six or seven other places prior to that, obviously post 200, if not later than that. And of course, that that made it 
darn near impossible to draft him early enough. Dave McDonald grabbing him after the two home run game. I think in the ninth round. It was in the ninth or the tenth round. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those. So, Dave, I hope you're enjoying that. We, you guys have had a lot of really good beat writers and anal and team analysts on. But Chris, you mentioned you alluded to it earlier, like especially in the regular season, their time is very precious. So I'm curious to know. Like, even though you've had so many, how many have outright either declined you guys because they're not interested in talking fantasy or they're just, they got other things. Certainly, I have not had one person actually say no. I've gotten a lot of people who haven't responded, but no one who's flat out denied us. That's, it makes me, that's what's nice. that? That's a feather in your cap. Yeah, absolutely. that's a feather in your cap. So I've been working the nice. DMs, yeah. but I'm still waiting on John Heyman and Bob Nightingale because as we know, they are the gold standards for accurate reporting. John, if you're listening, we'd love to get your arts and judge takes. And Bob, we'd love to know how you're still employed. Yeah, what what's going, going on there? But uh, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to keep working it. And I, I know one guest that Mike has. Have we confirmed this, Mike? Is this Evan Drellich? Is he definitely coming on? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we have Evan yes, Drellich of The Athletic, who's going to be coming on in a couple of weeks to talk about the Astros and his new book. So we're very much looking forward to that. Nice. We got, all right. Good. You guys got the Astros coming up in a couple of weeks. That's good. But Mike, is there any other team that you guys haven't covered? You covered, you haven't covered them all, but you covered a good chunk of them. Is there a team that you guys haven't covered that you're really looking forward to hitting on the most, hopefully in the near future? Yeah, Oakland for me, just because I want to see Carlos fall out of his chair and roll around on the ground <laughs> in pain and suffering. That, that'll be a seven-minute I was shocked. <laughs> I did reach out. I won't say his name, but I did reach out to one of the Oakland beat writers, and I think I even followed up once or twice, and nothing. I'm like, dude, like who who wants to talk to you about the Oakland very news, my man? I would think you'd be jumping at that opportunity, but I guess he's, <laughs> guess he's too busy. <laughs> All right. I'm looking forward to hearing that one and just hearing Carlos's reaction to everything that is said. Guys, give me give me the elevator pitch again on where everybody can listen, where, where anything else you guys got working. I like to do this in the middle of the show rather than the end while people are still listening. Mike, start with you. What, what else besides Fantasy Baseball Beat have you got going on that people should be looking out for? Hey, I do work at Fantrax. They call me a senior writer, and I haven't figured out if that's because I write a lot or if that's just because I'm old. Yeah, yeah. I think it has more to do with my <laughs> – boy, you're dealing tonight, Torres. Boy, it could be boy. both. Yeah, no, it's it has it's definitely being old. But I'm still covering bullpens over at Fantrax on a weekly basis. I will have something coming out just about every Saturday during the season, just a quick bullpen update on news and notes of things that are going on during the week. And then I also do a chart that people can use that has the closer and what I refer to as the stopper and also guys that might be able to get some holds opportunities for you. And then I also write more narrative pieces over at 9NA Know-It-All when they ask me to do that. Not as much as what I used to, but I still do that, and that's a lot of fun for me. So that's where I'm at. I'm at MDRC0508, the worst Twitter handle of all time. I'll Mr. Say doctor. <laughs> Mr. Doctor. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, folks. I promise. I'm not even close to being a doctor. And that's where you can find me. Thanks for having me on. And I really appreciate talking about that stuff and having an opportunity to work in the industry. It's really been pretty fascinating in the last couple of years. I'm a very lucky guy. All right. And as for me, I'll just plug the show again. So it's called the Fantasy Baseball Beat. It gets a little confusing, to be honest, because it's under the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. If you're on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. So, again, 
Go to Triple Play Fantasy within there. You'll see the Fantasy Baseball beat. And go listen to all the other shows that are part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. David Mendelson and that crew over there is doing, they're doing some awesome work. Go check them out. As far as me, I am on Twitter, at Torres Takes. Just putting nonsense out there, doing some videos once in a while, and just having fun with it. Yeah, I was going to say, just go ahead and subscribe to Triple Play's baseball feed, and you're going to be, you're going to get the fantasy baseball beat, and you're going to get all the other good stuff that they, those guys are doing over there. So you're you're not going to go wrong there. All right, guys, we I need to talk about the players that everybody should be looking at for their fab pickups this week, and I'm going to be leaning heavily on... You guys, especially you, Mike, so that I know who you're bidding on in Glarf this week. But first, we do have to take another quick break. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, guys, we're back. Let's get right to the meat and potatoes of the episode, why everybody comes to listen. And that is how we're going to fill in our rosters to fill in the categories that we are hurting for after just a week and a half of baseball. We're going to go category by category as we tend to do. We're starting off in the hitting categories, starting off with power, which we are seeing plenty of this year. Is it happy fun ball? Is it just warmer weather? I don't know. Climate change. I've seen that headline out there as well. A lot of different theories going on right now. Chris, let's start with you. Who are you looking at on that might be available on the wire that can help you play catch up in home runs and well, RBIs? I just want to say quickly in regards to the ball and the increase in home runs, can we stop every offseason, we analyze and make assumptions about how the ball is going to play based on what happened last year. And I think people went into this season thinking it's just going to be the dead end ball again. 
obviously we're seeing that's not the case. I don't know if Major League Baseball even knows what's going on. This is planned or what, but uh, I think honestly part of it could be due to pitchers having to adjust to the pitch clock, maybe getting fatigued. I think that is a pretty significant mm -hmm. difference. Could be the happy fun ball. Who knows? But I think at this point, we've just got to accept the fact that we have no clue what to expect with with uh, with power and home runs across the leagues. But anyway, getting to the player for for this week to look at, I'm looking at Carlos Santana. And I think this was a guy, if I'm remembering correctly, Kevin talked about last season quite a bit because. Listen, the dude plays every day, and for the Pirates, he's hitting cleanup behind O'Neill Cruz, Brian Reynolds, who has been unbelievable to start the season, and Andrew McCutcheon. And we know Kutch is not the same dude, but still decent. Though, like, there are worse places to be, worse lineups to be in than in that spot. So Santana still hits the ball hard. He has a good strikeout rate, also someone who could be a beneficiary of the shift ban this season. Pirates got seven games upcoming this week. Not the best matchups, but again, if you we're looking for volume, right? And a guy who's going to hit fourth every day with those guys in front of him, I think is definitely worth looking at. He's only 28% rostered in main events. I think he is a solid guy to fill in, in those deep leagues. Yeah, he seems to be a common occurrence or common mention on this show, both last year when he was with Seattle hitting bombs and during the offseason heading into into the season now that he has what seems at first Pittsburgh had as many first basemen as the Marlins had second basemen going into the season, but they've <laughs> they've parred that down. And like you said, Santana's playing his fair share and then some with the Pirates. And it's one of those things where it's, yeah, he's old and he could get hurt anytime, but you know what? He's healthy now. And like we say that all the time, it's like he's healthy now until he's not. But that's not what we're bidding on. All right, Mike, who who's hitting some bombs for you this week if you if you win them in fab? Chris, you might want to walk uh, away for this one just for a minute. We want to get a breath of fresh air here. Former Yankee no. Joey Gallo. I know he's a little banged up right now, and I haven't heard any anything about the injury today. But he's hitting, and he's got a full-time job in Minnesota. I think he's been much maligned, especially by the New York contingent, which I can totally understand, considering that last year he had 55 hits and Aaron Judge had 62 home runs. So Aaron Judge had more home runs than he had hits all year, which is a little bit terrifying to think about. But Gallo, I think, is an interesting guy here because of the fact that he's playing and the Twins paid him an $11 million contract to come in and play. He's left-handed. He's not swinging into the shift anymore. And the power looks like it, it is pretty much there. He's a guy that I think that for a very low bid, you might be able to get. And there could be some juice there. I'm going to be bidding on him this week in many of the NFBC leagues that I'm in. And I'm guessing that many other people will, too. How much I bid, I'm not 100% sure yet. I have to really kind of sleep on that tonight and think about it. But I have him in a couple of leagues already, just as a speculative play that I grabbed. And I'm going to hold on to him. I think that there's a legitimate chance there that he could hit 30 home runs pretty easily with an ample opportunity there in Minnesota. All right, of course, Gallo did leave Friday's game early, the game against the Astros with right side soreness. He didn't play on Saturday, but what's nice about that is since he hasn't been placed on the IL, it very well could be fine. They've already lost, I believe it was Max Kepler to the IL as well, and the Twins have 
So if he just doesn't play, you could definitely sneak him in, even in deeper leagues where he might still be available. Not so much on the main event. I think it's 100% rostered there, but after his little early surge at the beginning of the season. But if he in those shallower leagues, it's going to be a little bit easier to sneak him in if he's if he just skips out the rest of the weekend and then comes back strong at the, at the beginning of the week. All right, let's move out of the power categories, guys, into the speed categories. We're looking at stolen bases. We're looking at runs. Again, runs are a category. You cannot forget about them. Are you looking for those leadoff hitters? Looking for those guys that are batting be- before the power hitters? And Mike, we'll start with you this time. Who might you be looking at regardless of format that could, again, steal you some bases and or score some runs? I really like Bryce Terang, and I did at the beginning of the season as well. He was a guy that I saw play in the minor leagues in single A here in Kane County where I live. I thought he had great hands, looked like he had really good speed, good glove. I think he's going to play more than people think he's going to play. And I think he's rostered in only about 55% of leagues that, that I've been able to see on NFBC. So I think he's got an opportunity there to really play and he's going to steal some bases. I think it's a little bit on the low end what people are prognosticating for him. I think he could easily steal 20 with an opportunity. Yeah, I picked him up in a faster finger league earlier er, earlier in the week just for the speed. I'm, I know he hit the grand slam and I'm not too, I'm not going after him in that range, but I was hoping he'd be playing more and he's sitting a little bit more than I would like him to sit in, especially in a shallower format. In a dailies moves league, maybe that's fine, but especially if you have a decent bench. He just gained second base eligibility in Yahoo. Right. And so he'll be catching up to that in other formats soon enough. But I was hoping he would get that second base eligibility earlier on in the week, but he's been sitting. And so he hasn't been getting those games under his belt or at least those starts. So I would like to see what you say come to fruition and see him playing a little bit more often on a six out of seven days, seven out of seven days, rather than four out of seven or even five out of seven. Because I I agree. I think the speed can be there. And Milwaukee is in the middle of the pack as far as who's running and who's not running so far early in the season. And so terrain could definitely be part of that. Chris, who are we looking at for some speed this week? If that's what you're looking for. I'm going to separate this into 12 teamers versus 15 teamers, starting with the 12s. Two guys I'm looking at, Miles Straw and John Birdie. Miles Straw is 37% rostered in Yahoo. John Birdie, 47% in Yahoo. Also has multi-position eligibility at second, third, short, and outfield, which obviously is nice. Just a second on Miles Straw. Everybody, not everybody, like there was so much hype on him last year. It was going around pick 100 in last year's drafts because people wanted Mm -hmm. that speed. And then this season... I know last year wasn't great, but this season he was going 300 picks later, even though the only thing that changed is that we knew that he was going to be batting in the nice spot of the lineup. But all indications were that he was going to play every day because he is a really good defender. The Guardians really like him in center field. So I didn't understand why there was such a huge discrepancy because the dude can flat out, he's a burner, man. So I think he is definitely in 12-teamers. He's viable at this point. He's running early on with five stolen bases. I think he's a 30 to 35 stolen base guy. And we know the John Birdie story. We know he was one of those guys that changed, shifted the landscape in fantasy last season when he got everyday run. Joey Wendell's on the IL, so John Birdie's going to get some run again. And I know we talked about the Marlins earlier, but I have no worries if if he's going to be on base I think they're going to let a guy like John Birdie go. And I think something quickly that these guys have in common that 
I think it's overlooked when we're looking for speed guys. Both Miles Straw and John Birdie get on base. Try to avoid these speed guys mm-hmm. that have a 5% walk rate because, like we were talking about off air, Adam, you need an opportunity, right? So if these guys are getting on base, if they're walking 10% of the time, that gives them, obviously, much more opportunity. So looking at Straw, looking at Birdie, in 15-teamers, it's slim pickings. But one guy I'm looking at is Matt Veerling. He's 40% rostered in the main event. He's got plus 90% sprint speed, which I didn't realize before I looked into this. His projections are not bad. He's going to give you a little power, going to give you a decent speed. I think he's projected for eight home runs and 10 stolen bases the rest of the way. We talked about Austin Meadows going on the IL. We don't know when he's going to be back. I think this cements Matt Veerling and his playing time. So I think he's someone in a 15-teamer. He's 40%, like I said, in the main event. I think he's someone to go after if you're looking for somebody that's going to do a little bit of everything. Yeah, like you said, we talked about it off air. You have to have those opportunities. And it doesn't mean you can always turn those opportunities, obviously, into stolen bases. But those guys that are getting on base are at least putting themselves in a situation. So you add the speed, add the opportunity, and you have more, obviously, opportunities to steal. Last year, the, the top the top five guys that had the most stolen base opportunities from at first base. So only looking at the opportunity sitting at first base with second base open in front of them were Juan Soto, Stephen Kwan, Freddie Freeman, Brandon Nimmo, and Luis Arias. So obviously these guys are very well known for their on-base percentages and being able to get on first without maybe a runner in front of them as well. So you got to keep that in consideration when making those prop bets or when considering who's going to steal some bases even for the next week ahead of you. So I like I like that you brought that back up. All right, let's look at some guys that might have a good opportunity ahead for themselves. You talked about it earlier, Pittsburgh having seven games. Chris, let's talk about the rest of the schedule of note. We have 12 teams that do have a full seven-game week, including Baltimore, Boston, the Yankees, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Oakland, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and San Diego, they all play seven games. Everybody else plays six, so there's no more of those, or there's no two two games off this week. Those We'll get to those later on in the season, of course. Toronto and Detroit are off on Monday. Everybody else is off on Thursday. Cincinnati, they are hosting the Phillies for a four-game set to end the week after traveling to Atlanta for a three-game start to start it off. Colorado, they start the week at home in Colorado with three versus St. Louis, but they head out of town to Seattle for the weekend. Going from Colorado, Seattle is quite the difference maker as far as ballparks go. Hitter friendly, pitcher friendly and all that. And after starting the season with just with first with their first 10 games completely on the road, the Toronto Blue Jays finally get to test out the new dimensions of the Rogers Center as they spend all week at home with three versus Detroit and three versus Tampa Bay. So I'm very curious to see how the cool bouncy ball, how the weather, how the dimensions turn the Rogers Center into great Canadian small park as some have coined it or potentially have coined it. We'll see how it actually works out. So with all that in mind, guys, Mike, who might who do you think has a good opportunity ahead of themselves? Maybe they don't fit specifically into one of the categories we talked to earlier. Maybe they're going to see a whole bunch of left-handed pitching coming up like the Red Sox are. I saw a great tweet. The Red Sox are supposed to facing off against, I think, 10 out of their next 11 opponents are supposed to be left-handed starters. And that 
is amazing. I don't think I've ever seen that before. So Adam Duvall should do quite well, at least for that run. With that in mind, though, Mike, have you who you got your eye on that might take advantage of the what they have going on next week? The guy that I really have not liked in the past, but am liking more as the season goes on here is Trent Grisham. He's batting leadoff against right-handed pitching, and he's been he played every day this past week, which was a little bit surprising for those that were watching. But he's hitting the ball really hard so far. He's got a ninety-four point eight exit velocity right now, and that's the highest that he's ever been in. Now. I know it's a small sample size. I know that it probably won't last, but last I checked, he had a couple home runs and he was hitting about 250. And I think if he's batting in that leadoff spot against righties, I have some interest in him. Now, granted, against lefties, I think what the San Diego Padres have been doing is batting Bogarts in the leadoff spot and bumping Grisham down to eighth, in which case you're not as interested in him. But Grisham is an interesting guy to me when you strip away the onion layers here, right? He does a guy that had a first-round draft pick pedigree with the Milwaukee Brewers, a guy that seems to have an opportunity. I guess we'll see what happens when Fernando Tatis comes back and how they balance all of their outfield parts in San Diego. But if he hits, I think he's going to play. And so I'm I'm willing to speculate on him, I think, this weekend, especially since he seems to kind of fly under the radar based on the terrible year that he had last year. I think he hit you know about 160 last year. So he's a guy that I'm interested in maybe giving an opportunity to, especially as long as he's got playing time. How long that will last, we don't know. I just want to see him stealing some bases out of that leadoff spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I thought that would happen a little bit more often, especially with all the rule changes and all that. All right, Chris, who can be taking advantage of the schedule that they have, the opponents that they have, the ballparks are playing, whatever else that you want to Bacon right, so I'm going to give you a couple here, starting with Christian Arroyo. He's pretty much universally rostered in main event, I think around 90%. So not really a guy who's going to be available much there. But in 12-teamers, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but pretty sure he's readily available. And like you said, the Red Sox get six lefties this week and even more next week. So Definitely like Arroyo. He's going to get some run here because Mondesi is on the 60 day IL. He's going to be the everyday second baseman. That Boston lineup is pretty good. And he's hitting behind Adam Duvall, Endeavors, and they've got a decent lineup. So Arroyo's not going to be a league winner, but he makes decent contact. He's got decent batted ball quality. He hasn't gotten off to the best start, but he chips in everywhere. So I like Arroyo as a guy who could take advantage of the lefties and the seven game schedule for this week. A guy who's getting increased opportunity. We talked about Joey Gallo before. We don't know what's happening with him. Minnesota's got a lot going on in terms of injury and Trevor Larnack has stepped up. And I remember I was drafting my main event opening day morning and I saw that Trevor Larnack was given the start in the cleanup spot for the Twins. And I was surprised at that, and I took him maybe a little earlier than he had been going because of that. And they've stuck with that. They've kept him at the three or the four spot. He's playing pretty much every day, and I think his playing time is solidified for now. They get a seven-game week coming up. I like Larnack. This guy was a big-time prospect, and he's just had a lot of injuries and has had a rough start to his career. But I do think there is still something there for him. So those are the two guys that I'm going with. And just quickly wanted to mention Jorge Soler. I saw that he's still 15% rostered in Yahoo. 
12 teamers come on people mm-hmm. like we got a Jorge Slayer's playing every day he's hitting bombs he's a great power source so that's definitely got to be increased beyond 50 percent at this point those are the guys I'm rolling with for the opportunity department yeah it seems to happen with Soler a lot it, every year since he left Kansas City in at least in Yahoo leagues it's just everybody's really slow to the trigger with him and it takes him to it takes him hitting 40 bombs for people to start taking notice and by that time the season's pretty much over and uh, maybe it's just because there's only three outfielders in Yahoo leagues at least they're standard their standard leagues two util spots so there's still plenty of spots for the, for you to put them in there but not the five outfield spots that we see in NFBC or in any other custom leagues that you might see I do. I like all the callouts here. I know I was quick to grab Larnack early on in the season where I know I knew I had an outfield deficiency as well. Royo 6% rostered in OCs. So yes, to your point, readily available there with all the, with that schedule and with the opponents that they're expecting, at least from the starters, that's a, he's going to be playing plenty. All right, guys, we're going to bring back our futures to start section here. So I've got a list of guys that you could argue should get two starts not this coming week but the next week after that all the guys here on this list in front of you guys are 50 percent rostered in yahoo or lower and so that's why you see them some of them you might think oh there's no way they're available in my main event or anything like that i get that but chris we'll start with you here of this list who might you who think who do you think has a good enough future outlook as far as their opponents go that you would actually roll the dice on you'd stash them for this week maybe you play them this week but you'd stash them so that you could get that two that sweet two start week this the week after this is ugly this is is (laughs) nauseating some of these guys the pitchers themselves aren't they're like streamer types but the matchups are not good the one guy who i am a little interested in is hunter gaddis now this week he's got the yankees at home i'm not starting him there but then next week he's got a two-step at detroit and versus the marlins so we talked about the flaccid miami offense and with the tigers man like you could just throw a pitch within the greater detroit area and javi baez is going to swing and miss at it all right so you already got two strikeouts right off of the bat. That lineup is brutal too. So just based on the matchups, I'll, I probably give Hunter Gaddis a shot in like a 15 teamer, not anything less than that. But yeah, there's not too many great options here. Maybe Garrett Whitlock. Cause I know he's on a rehab assignment. He's got mm-hmm. Minnesota and Milwaukee for a two step next week. Want to see, would want to see how he looks in that first start back. But uh, yeah, I think Gaddis would be my pick out of the, out of this list here. I don't disagree with your initial assessment of this list. And that's not really going to, I don't think that's going to change much throughout the course of this season for this little segment. But I will say, I will quote Nick Pollock when he was on the show in the off season, the goal of streaming pitchers is so that you don't have to stream anymore. You stream pitchers so that you don't have to stream. And so the idea here is you work the wire as often and as hard as you can in April and in May so that you can find those diamonds in the rough. And this is how you do it. And the best way to do it is to try to get the guys who get you the most volume so you can get the best looks at them. And hopefully they don't they don't gomber you <laughs> at some point in the season. Mike, is there somebody, anybody else on this list, whether it's based on matchups or just talent and opportunity that you might be at least throwing some keep them honest bids on this week just so you can stash them for that two starter. Yeah, I like I like Whitlock, but I think I'm worried about 
how many innings he's going to go at the start coming through what he's been going through with the injuries and coming back that he might be on a pretty short leash and not be able to go too long. One guy that I'm intrigued by, and I have been for several months now, and people laugh at me when I bring it up is Kyle Muller. I think he has some talent, not a lot of strikeouts, but he's pitched pretty well twice now. And I know that's a really small sample size, but Oakland really doesn't have much choice with their rotation and some of the other things that they have going on. I think he's going to have an opportunity. Now, not great matchups necessarily against teams that have decent offenses, but he's lefty and he has a pulse. I think that there's probably going to be some good days coming for Mueller and probably some bad days too. But based on that list, boy, there is a lot of hot trash on there. I'd rather have Jack start twice against some of these teams, but I think I would go with Mueller off of this list at this point. Yeah, that's probably fair. I like the sneaky Mueller pick. Opening day starter, by the way, for the Oakland Athletics. So congratulations for him on that accomplishment. I don't know how high of accomplishment that actually is at this point of their of the organization history, but it happened. All right, let's move. Let's look away at from the future and just look at this coming week. We're looking for the counting stats, the counting pitching stats here, guys. We're looking at wins in case. Mike, start us off here. Who might? What's a pitcher out there that might be able to get you at least one win on the week and and knock out some K's so you can get a little bit further ahead? Anybody who's pitching against the White Sox, oh. <laughs> let's, we'll just leave it at that. No, they actually won tonight against Vince Velasquez, old White Sox starting pitcher, relief pitcher, or whatnot. Boy, I don't know. I, honestly, I do think anybody who pitches against the White Sox is probably a good bet because they've been so lousy. Let's see. Who would I pick here? Chris, why don't you go and give us your choice first? I got to think about mine for a minute. All right. So... My pick is going to be, let me see here, Zach Eflin in 12 teamers. Now, I know like anybody who's listening for who's listening, he plays main event like Zach Eflin was a darling right during draft season. But in 12 teamers, I looked on Yahoo, he's only 54 percent rostered. And I think if you're in that format, like he he's improved to the point where I think he should be 90 to 100 percent, even in 12 teamers. I think we're seeing the Rays are just doing what they do with pitchers. They've made some adjustments. He's decreased his fastball usage. The underlying skills look excellent. He's got a 33 percent CSW. He's getting a lot of swings outside the zone, a 44 percent O swing. It's just amazing what the Rays do with him as well as Jeffrey Springs. So if you're in a 12-team league or shallower, I think Zach Eflin should be rostered everywhere. So that's my shallow league call out. And for 15-teamers, I'm actually looking at Marco Gonzalez. And man, I know that's, yeah, it's not pretty, but I'm playing, I'm filling in for Kevin here for today with the Rocky Road angle. He is getting the Rockies at home in Seattle with them coming off of a home. It's the first game for them off of a homestand. And we know that adjusting to another environment after being home for a while, that tends to be a good spot to target the Rockies. It's not pretty, but I do think it gives you a good opportunity at a win. And hey, Marco Gonzalez, his stuff plus was is actually, I was surprised, it's 95 which is, I thought he would be more in that 80-something range, at least that's 95 in his first start here. So I think there are worse streams than Marco Gonzalez this week. 
you definitely listen to the show because it's exactly what Kevin would have would have said as far as the first game the Rockies play on the road after being at home. Yeah, Rocky Road is always something you want to look at, but that first game back is always the toughest one, especially since they started the season all on the road and they are finally back in Colorado for a small stretch. It'd be interesting to see how they adjust to that this year. All right, Mike, did you make a decision last possible second? Not we've had this outline. Yeah. Set up I'm glad for, you like, called him out, Adam. Uh, I was know, about to. I, re- <laughs> I realized as we were talking that I no missed excuse. a spot this morning as I was preparing. And I apologize to everyone, but go ahead and pick up Tyler Wells because he'll beat the White Sox this week. There you go. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I like you left the low hanging fruit one there for you to so, as your blank because I noticed yeah you filled in everything else. This was the only one I was I saw I was like oh he's probably got something in his back pocket. Oh he'll just pick on the White Sox. I get it. <laughs> Might as well. All right, Mike. I'll let you start off the next category. Then we are looking at our ra- pitching ratios now. No more counting categories. Looking at ratios, of course, these are the categories that fluctuate the most probably throughout the course of the season, especially early on. One inning pitch can be all the difference here in your ERA and your WHIP. But if you want to be chipping away at that early and often, who might you be looking at that might be available? This is an interesting one for me because there's been a lot of talk and speculation about the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. And if it's Scott McGuff as the closer or Andrew Chafin as the closer and Kevin Ginkle might get opportunities, but people are really sleeping on Miguel Castro. He has looked really good since the season started. And again, I know it's a week, whatever, but he's got five strikeouts and three and two thirds innings. And so he's pitched three times already in the week. And so he had a game where he had two strikeouts. He had another game where he had two strikeouts. And in two game, two of the three games that he was in, he went more than an inning. One, he went an inning and two thirds. Another one, he went an inning and a third. I think this is a guy that's got some potential for strikeouts, especially being used in the bullpen where he can go max velocity and really pull back and throw. And he's a guy that people have been waiting on for a while. He's only 28, but he's been a prospect for a number of years. He's six foot seven. He's 200 pounds. He's got a whip for an arm. All of his stuff is blood red so far. Again, I know it's a short sample size, but this is a guy that's got prospect pedigree that could really end up becoming a difference maker in the Arizona Diamondback bullpen, considering that they've got a lot of crap there at the end right now. That bullpen is a mess. <laughs> Maybe it's not a mess. Maybe it's actually fine as far as what they're expecting out of it. But it, I know it wasn't something that I was I was excited to be going after myself. Speaking of the Arizona bull, bullpen, Chris, who you got looking at for somebody that could chip away at you? Yeah, your I know issues? I put Dre Jameson on the outline, but I'll be honest, I'm <laughs> double checking his numbers so far this season. And he's got a 2.16 ERA, but the XFIP is... 5.09. So let's let's erase that off the outline. I, Dre Jameson is getting, he's in a multi-inning <laughs> relief role, which can be valuable. He got a save the other day. Yeah, just looking at the underlying skills, small sample, but it doesn't look great so far. Even his stuff plus numbers are below average. So he may be tempting, but I think there are better options. One person that I'm looking at in a 15-teamer, and this is like, Super deep league play. He's 2% roster in the main event. And this is like more, I think, in the NL only category. But Jacob Junis is someone that I'm interested in. And I got quite a bit of him during DC season because I thought there was a good chance that he'd get opportunity. 
the Giants don't have a super durable rotation. Junis did pitch 112 innings last year, so he's been a starter. He's he's given significant innings in the past, and really the numbers are not bad. This year he's made a couple multi-inning relief outings. Last time he pitched four innings. He's a guy who I think who is going to get you. He's not going to start right now until there's an injury, but he's going to get you some strikeouts. He's not going to kill you in ERA and WHIP. Maybe he'll even vulture a save, one of those three-inning deals if the, the Giants are up by a lot. So, listen, I don't think he's someone I'm going to run out and grab, but he's got decent skills, and I think there's also the upside that he gets some opportunity. And just quickly, he's a high CSW guy. Last couple years, around 30% CSW. Mm-hmm. I'm on a pitcherless podcast, so I feel like I'm obligated to mention that stat. And <laughs> he went very slider heavy. He's changed his approach since going over to the Giants. So I'm a little bit intrigued by Jacob Junis and think he can have an impact at some point this season. Yeah, I mean, especially these deep leagues, man, you got to be looking at anybody that can be making any kind of an impact. And I stress this all the time especially these ratios, it's like you can do as much, you can help yourself just as much in April as you can in September, if not more setting yourself up in these categories. So some, you should be taking note when we talk about these ratios for sure. All right. Everybody's favorite category, especially early in the year when there's absolutely no, no way of knowing exactly what's going on almost anywhere. Mike, you're the bullpen guy. So I'm going to leave you for last here, Chris. I'm going to make you start us off here. Who are you looking at that could get you some saves or vulture some saves this coming week? Okay, so in 15-teamers, I'm looking at Hunter Harvey. Kyle Finnegan has looked extremely shaky. I know Greg Jewett, who does the reliever recon, he was a big, he was way out on Kyle Finnegan, and he's a big proponent of Hunter Harvey. It looks like his prediction is coming to fruition here. Kyle Finnegan is really, it seems like, struggling with the pitch clock and He's just not the same guy this season. So I think another blown save or two, and we could see Hunter Harvey into that role. Listen, the Washington Nationals closer closer is not, you're not going to get that many save opportunities, but saves are saves, man. And Hunter Harvey's got really good stuff. He was a big time prospect. We've been waiting on him for a long time. So I'm excited to see if he gets a chance in that role, what he could do. In 12-teamers, I just want to call out Michael Fulmer. He's 30% ro- 37% rostered in Yahoo. I think it's he had a two-inning save the other day. I think it's pretty clear that he is the guy for the Cubs. He showed up to camp after being a late signing in spring training. His stuff, number, his stuff plus numbers improved across the board. He's looking really good, so I think we need to be bumping that number up in in that format it's got to be i'd say it'll probably be closer to 75 percent in a couple weeks once people see that michael fulmer is definitely the guy Uh in chicago yeah obviously possession is nine tenths right so it's once you once once you realize who the closer is it's probably too late and as far as a closer on a bad team as you mentioned hunter harvey possibly taking over in washington in the near future as long as that bad team utilizes the same closer Mm -hmm. they can still get you plenty of saves. It's mm-hmm. those bad teams that decide they're going to play a committee or they're going to rotate around or to play matchups or whatever those matchups might be. That's where you start getting into That's why I dropped Trevor May in my main event Finnegan, after the first week because I saw that he wasn't the guy. He's going to be, maybe he'll get some saves, but he'll be in a timeshare. 
And I think he's just an absolute drop. I don't understand why anybody would hold on to a part-time closer on the Oakland A's. I mean, it's going to be a waste of a roster spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is too bad because the A's are the example, right? The, the bad team with the set closer can still mm-hmm. get you 30 saves. They're, yeah, they're the only one game. that they're going yeah. for. And I think a lot of people, and I think a lot of people speculated that with May being like, he's got the highest contract on the athletics. So like, obviously he's the one being paid for saves. Obviously not so much after the first week worth of games. All right, Mike, who, who are you looking at then as you, as you dive into bullpens on a regular basis, who's caught your eye? I think if we look at the situation in Texas and we look at Bo- Bruce Bochy being the manager there and them signing Will Smith in the last couple of weeks of camp there, he's definitely going to get some opportunities, especially if there's a left-handed hitter coming up in the ninth. We saw that happen last Sunday in the ESPN game. He went to Will Smith instead of LeClerc, and a lot of people raised their eyebrows. It was a good matchup play, and I think Bruce Bochy probably has a pretty good idea of what he's doing around managing a baseball game. He's managed quite a few, and he's won three world championships last I checked. So I think he loves Will Smith, and Will Smith loves him, which is why he went to Texas. I'm not totally sold on LeClerc being the guy 100% of the time, and we do know that we're probably going to be looking at a situation where we'll have somewhere between 250 and 300 different guys get saves in MLB this year. It's just going to be the way that it is. So I think Will Smith is going to get a fair share of opportunities there. It would not surprise me at all if he was in double digits. It would also not surprise me at all if LeClerc struggled and Smith took the job outright. Another guy that you might want to think about handcuffing that's really interesting is on Torres' Yankees, which is Ron Marinaccio. He's looked really good, and Loisaga going down, and not 100% always sure about what's going on with Clay Holmes sometimes either, if he were ineffective or if he were hurt. That's your point with the more and more players getting save opportunities, as you alluded to, at least going into 2023, it does... It does make you think whether or not you're going to need less saves to compete in that category by the end of the year. And so every save that you're speculating on, the less you have to speculate on it and the more ones you can, you have a little bit more of a guarantee that they're going to be in that spot. They can go a lot further for you by the, by halfway through the season and you realize where you're going to be at. You're not having to speculate on those things throughout the rest of the season. You can focus on other needs. All right. Guys, wild card section, last section of the pod here is my favorite section personally, just because there's no rules. You can go after anybody you want. Maybe it's somebody that didn't fit into any category we talked about earlier. Maybe it's a prospect who was dropped and might be available in NFBC, or you're in a different format where you can pick up prospects willy-nilly. Maybe it's an IL stash. Whatever the case may be, Mike, start us off here. Who might you be stashing, picking up for any particular reason that just strikes your fancy. Why do people hate Chas McCormick? People hate him. I don't understand why they hate him. I they think did, really- he yeah. did their taxes <laughs> nice. all wrong. Obviously, obviously a grown man going by the name Chaz leaves a lot to be desired. Maybe, but here's the thing. I know that they've got three guys for two spots right there, but he's the best of the three. And so I really do think he's going to get an opportunity to continue to play in Houston. He's batting leadoff in one of the best lineups in the American League, maybe the best lineup in the American League when it's healthy. And he's playing center field. And he played left field last night and let off. The fact that they're allowing him to play a couple of different positions has me a little bit intrigued. This is a guy that could easily get 
double-digit steals and double-digit home runs. Now, poor Torres has heard me say that every week for probably six months. I always bring up somebody that's going to do that. But I think he's going to have an opportunity to continue to play. We don't know anything about when Brantley's coming back. Probably never. It's like a, probably got a White Sox trainer. And so I really like Chaz McCormick. I feel like he doesn't get much of an opportunity. Bannon average is not going to be a big thing for him, but he's got legitimate power, and he also has some speed there to go as well. I don't understand why people don't like him. Yeah, 66% rostered in the main event, 14% in the 350 OCs. So readily available, especially in those 12-teamers and probably in your 15-teamers as well, to your point. All right. Closes out here, Chris. Who's uh, who's the stats that you're looking at going into? I just wanted the to respond to Mike. Period. Yes, I am sick and tired of hearing you <laughs> say the power speed thing, but I do. I want to take this opportunity <laughs> to publicly apologize because I basically took a big dump on your suggestion a couple weeks ago about Jose Siri, one of those power speed guys. Oh, I was so finally, you said finally. I never apologize. This is it, man. I apologize. <laughs> For the words I said about Jose Siri, I was pretty harsh, and I was so wrong about that. He's a guy actually talking about this wild card section. If he is dropped in 15 teamers because he is he just went on the IL with a strained hamstring, I'm picking him up because I do think he is a difference maker. Dude crushes the ball. He's got elite mm-hmm. speed. We know the Ks are a problem, but in those formats, anybody who could give you that power speed combo – as Mike likes to say, is super valuable. Yeah, uh, Jose Siri, <laughs> definitely keep an eye out if he is dropped. And I just want to call out an article, and there are no rules with this section, which is what I like. So I'm just going to name a bunch of guys and link it to an article that is on Pitcher List right now. I believe it came out today by Jake Mache called The Stash, talking about pitching prospects to stash in your rosters. And this is my wild card. You want one of these guys on this list, if not more, depending on what your roster uh, sizes are. Brandon Fott, Gavin Stone, Matthew Liberator, Tanner Bibby. These are all pitchers that I think have a clear opportunity. Brandon Fott in Arizona. Listen, Jordan Lyles and Madison Bumgarner, I don't think are long for the rotation there. We saw Noah Syndergaard today. A couple more bad mm-hmm. outings. I think Gavin Stone is the next man up. Tanner Bibby. If Zach Plesak continues his garbage, we're going to see Bibby pretty soon. Another, I think, potential top-of-the-rotation guy for the Guardians. And Matthew Liberatore. There's a lot of injury risk in St. Louis. I think he's better, obviously, than Jake Woodford. So I think he's going to see an opportunity soon. So my recommendation is to read this article and just take a pick. Whoever you want, whoever's available in your league, I think there are lots of great options. And these are the players that can really make a difference in your leagues. If you hit on one of these, I don't know if we're going to find the next Spencer Strider. That may have been an anomaly, but I think these guys, if you hit on one of them, it's something that could just catapult you up the standing. So that is, those are my wild cards. It's nice. Yeah, I love those picks. Yeah, I think it was you that sent out a tweet. It was like, especially in the NFBC, you do have to know how you're functioning your bench because you have such limited limited spots there. And typically, I like to do is you have once you have at least one, maybe two, if you have a very healthy, stable 
lineup bench spots that you can use as stashes. And if one of those can be one of these pitchers, like I totally understand. And I understand the appeal here. All right, guys, this has been awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming back on the show. A lot of great names to be considering. Hopefully by the time you guys are, anybody's listening to this, you've already at least started chipping away your fab and you're utilizing this information to either push your own opinions a little bit more forward or using it as a base and jumping off from there. But it's your fab dollars. You got to spend it the way that's best for your team. Hopefully there's a couple of options that we've gone over here. Quick reminder for everybody where where you guys can be found. So throw out your your Twitter handles real quick and then we'll, we'll close I'm on Twitter out. at Torres Takes. And again, a co-host of the podcast, the Fantasy Baseball Beat, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. I can't say anything. I'm still stunned that <laughs> Torres apologized to me. It's better that you're just speechless. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it was funny. It was funny. Like Wednesday or Thursday, I had that thought. I was like, man, Jose Siri is really playing well so far. Oh, trust me. I, I thought I about it quite a bit thinks. this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just giving you a hard time, man. Yeah. I'm Mike Carter. Again, you can find me at MDRC0508 on the Twitter machine. I'm working at Fantrax. I need to know it all. And I get to co-host with Chris. And Carlos Mercano, I want to say, Adam, it's a pleasure to be on with you. You're one of the best in the industry at what you do. It's a pleasure to play with you in Glarf. And I'll tell you the other thing is, as much crap as I give Chris, Chris is an amazing host. He really carries the podcast, in my opinion, and does an, a tremendous job. And so thank you both for uh, being part of my life and, and allowing me to be on here with you guys tonight. I really enjoyed myself. Once again, guys, thanks for taking the time. Seriously, this is this show doesn't do what it does without guests like you guys on the show on a regular basis. So thank you so much. And that is going to wrap it up for episode 110 of On The Wire. Please make sure to subscribe, share, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. We are back every Sunday with a detailed fab breakdown throughout the 2023 season. Of course, keep a lookout for Brett Ford's competing article over at PitcherList.com that comes out every Sunday afternoon as well. You can follow myself on the Twitter at 80 degree. That's all spelled out. Kevin is at Hasting Kevin. Of course, follow the pod itself at On The Wire Pod. I'd like to once again thank our guests, Chris Torres and Mike Carter, for joining us. And after all that, I am Adam Howe. On behalf of Kevin Hasting, thanks for listening. We bid you goodbye. <laughs>